0: Hello folks, I'm Joe Van Hoogen and this is the Bread of Life, a ministry of the International Mission Church Partnership Evangelism and its Associate Fellowship, the Bread of Life in Boise, Idaho. Our ministry has found expression in over 40 countries. To learn more, go to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. We're in John chapter 3, that well-known passage where the Lord Jesus told the great teacher of Israel, Nicodemus, that he must be born again of the Holy Spirit. Nicodemus found this teaching fantastic. He didn't understand or recognize it, and yet Jesus told him that this was a truth he should have known. The necessity of being born again of God was taught in scriptures, and it was evident in human experience. Jesus said to Nicodemus, If I have told you earthly things and you don't believe them, how are you going to believe when I tell you heavenly things? Nicodemus, you should have known this, that there was a day promised of me in which all the nation would be regenerate and born again, but you should have also known that throughout the history of Israel, there have been those who have given witness to the power of a regenerate heart and what the Holy Spirit does in that individual. These are the types of things that the Lord Jesus was teaching. Now, let's transition to the message for this morning. Don't look at the clock. (laughs) I want to talk as quickly as I can. I was talking fast there too because that was last week's sermon and it was a good lengthy sermon. So I want to talk about what the Lord Jesus now teaches in the present about the Holy Spirit and particularly what he teaches to the general population. There'll be later on before he goes to the cross where he pulls aside his disciples and he teaches them additional information about the Holy Spirit that applies to his followers, but what he says to the general population about the Holy Spirit. And the first thing I want us to see here is we've kind of intimated this that The first thing is that Jesus taught that regeneration was the work of the Holy Spirit of God. It was something done to us, not something that we could accomplish for ourselves. Uh, This work of regeneration, by the way is the earthly thing that he's telling Nicodemus he's talking about. He's talking about this regenerative work, and he says, now, if you're not able to accept this earthly thing I'm telling you, how are you going to understand heavenly things? Well, the earthly thing he's talking to Nicodemus about is this work of regeneration. It's this work where God takes the clay that we're made of and breathes by his Spirit life into us. It's the earthly work he does, molding and shaping us and then breathing his own life to us. It's what the Spirit of God does to give us new life in the here and now, on this plane, in this place. And it was presented throughout the Old Testament in the lives of individuals, a small remnant of individuals, of Jews who lived out through the power of God's transformation of their hearts, a loving faith towards God. Zacharias and Elizabeth, the parents of John the Baptist, I think would be examples of these regenerate people in that time. Mary and Joseph might be examples. Simeon and Anna, who worshipped and rejoiced as they held the baby Jesus in their arms in the temple when he was brought to the temple to be dedicated again i think might be examples of those in that time period in that age that manifested this changed and transformed heart nicodemus jesus is saying you've you've missed all along this earthly testimony of the Spirit's necessary work of giving new hearts to those who produce loving obedience to God. You haven't seen it. That's the only way it happens, Nicodemus. And you've missed it entirely. You, you dial this down to a formula. You've missed the whole purpose and the whole way in which God has to work to render this obedience. This is the work of regeneration that the Lord Jesus then is going to go on and teach in the very next chapter. He's going to leave Nicodemus and he's going to go from Jerusalem and he's going to go through a Samaritan village and he's going to meet a Samaritan woman by a well and there he's going to witness to the Samaritan woman to Nicodemus who is a leader in Israel and is thought to be a great spiritual leader is thought to be the great teacher in Israel Jesus says you must be born again to the Samaritan woman that he meets along the way he basically will tell her you can be born again this woman is not a great person in fact she's not even great in her own village everybody's rejected her because of the sinful life that they know she's living and Jesus says to that woman you can be born again in essence that's what he says he says that there's a fountain that would spring up, if you would drink from it, that would spring up waters of everlasting life for her. And it's, it's just pictorial language of rebirth. It's a pictorial language of the new life that God gives us. It springs up within us and it never goes away. It's when you receive Christ as you shave you, you receive everlasting life. It's not just everlasting life off in the future, some ticket you're holding in your pocket in your hand. It's everlasting life that's pulsating in you. It's a spring of everlasting life. It's God pulsating and bringing his life into you. And that's what the Lord Jesus was teaching the Samaritan woman. He said to her, you can, you can be born again of the Spirit of God. He'll spring up within you with life everlasting if you'll drink from him. That's what he was teaching. So again, Jesus taught that this work of rebirth was an earthly work. It was an evident work that the Holy Spirit brought to people. And it was the only way in which people could enter into God's kingdom. And the Holy Spirit applied it to people in the new birth. But then the Lord Jesus taught what was, you might say, the heavenly element of this truth that had not been understood by. Should, the other thing, the earthly thing Nicodemus should have understood. But now the Lord Jesus is going to explain a heavenly truth, a reality that, that's going to be a little bit harder for him to understand, but which he's going to have to embrace. It's, the Lord Jesus is telling Nicodemus now there's a transitioning point that's taking place in the faith of people. Before people knew they couldn't produce this kind of life and they looked to God and by faith they just trusted that God would give them this new life, and this new work within them. But now I want to tell you who it was that ultimately was giving it and who it is that they need to look to to receive it. I'm going to tell you a heavenly secret. And this is the second thing. Jesus taught that the Spirit was the implementer or applicator of regeneration, but he also then taught that he himself and his work was the ground from which that application was made. It was himself. Jesus taught that the Holy Spirit was the applicator, the one who applies the regenerative life, but then Jesus taught that it was faith in him and his work that was the ground from which that work of regeneration was issued. This was the heavenly truth that needed to be added to Nicodemus' understanding. He had missed the earthly lesson of regeneration. How was he going to understand that this work of the Spirit in earth is possible only because of a work that Christ performs and fulfills in heaven, that Christ brings about? So if you've got your Bibles open to John chapter 3, let's just read verses 12 through 16. Here the Lord Jesus transitions from this earthly expression of the regeneration that Nicodemus should have known about to talk about an additional bit of information, heavenly information, a new revelation that is going to be hard for Nicodemus to grasp. And, and the Lord Jesus, as he speaks about these things, speaks about them in a mystery. In fact, when he speaks about the Holy Spirit, he speaks about the Holy Spirit as if it's, he's an elusive mystery. It's not something that you can just figure out by nailing down with theological precision. Which is, by the way, kind of interesting, a little bit of an aside. It's interesting to me that when God portrays the work of the Holy Spirit, there's something about it that's mysterious and elusive and hard to comprehend. And yet, when I pick up my theology book, I find out that most of the theologians have all nailed it down. They've all figured it out, exactly how it works. It's in these areas where they figure out a little differently from somebody else that they drop their lines and they all drop, they battle on their points of agreement and disagreement. It's a mystery. The Spirit of God is elusive and you can't understand it entirely. It's mysterious, but what he produces is undeniable. He produces a changed life. He produces a regenerate life. He produces in those that he works upon a deep and profound Uh, untiring love for God and a surrender to him. Now the Lord Jesus explains to him, if I've told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God has so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. The words to Nicodemus here are intentionally mysterious, and Nicodemus is not going to fully comprehend or understand their meaning until the day that he's standing underneath the cross of Jesus Christ and watching Him agonize upon that cross. Prior to this time, Nicodemus has quietly and silently maybe been moving closer and closer to believing that Christ is the Messiah, but he's kept it a secret. But there on that day, as he watches Christ die and lifted up on the cross, the Spirit of God works in Nicodemus's heart, and he believes in this one, and he publicly comes out, and he, along with Joseph of Arimathea, take the body of Jesus Christ and prepare it for burial publicly. Think about that. This great leader of the Sanhedrin, this great teacher of allows himself to be defiled and handling this dead body so that he can't go forward and celebrate the Passover because he so embraced the reality that this is the Passover lamb that's dying and suffering for me. And that moment as he looks at that place, he begins to see and understand, and the Spirit begins to speak to him and say, Nicodemus, he has come from heaven for you, and he will rise into heaven for you, and he has unending standing in heaven on your behalf. And he has been lifted up for your sins. And your belief in him is the basis for all of your hope of eternal life. And the Holy Spirit at that moment will grant to him a new heart of belief and faith that will transform this man and allow him to embrace fully and completely the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for his everlasting life. And a transition point took place at that time. But this is what the Lord Jesus is talking about in John chapter 3. There has to be a transition point to your point of faith now. I'm shifting from what God has taught you in the past and what God has revealed in the past that was progressively revealing your need of God to work a great salvation in your life. And I'm showing you now where the point of that salvation is realized and it's realized in me. So you're no longer to look at the sacrifices in the temple. You're going to have to look at my sacrifice. And you're no longer to look at the priestly intercession over the sacrifices in the temple. You're going to have to look at me as the one who intercedes and mediates for you always before the throne of God and is... Heaven on your behalf. It's all now isolated in me. And I'm the one that's the basis and the foundation point of of your everlasting life. And Christ makes known that the Spirit grants rebirth, but that it's faith in him as the source of that new birth that is required now of all people. So in John chapter 4, when the Lord Jesus does speak to the Samaritan woman, he, he tells her of the spring that will flow up to give her everlasting life. But then he tells her, I'm the one who gives it. John chapter 4:10, he says, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would ask him, and he would give you living water. In John 4:14, 4, he says, Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Later on, the Lord Jesus will be in Jerusalem again. He'll go back a second time to Jerusalem. At the end of the feast day, he'll stand up before all the people in John chapter 7. We read these words, 37 to 39. They're actually, in a sense, ongoing commentary of what he has shared with Nicodemus and what he had shared with the woman at the well. He says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And then John adds commentary. He said these things concerning the spirit that he was to give. This water of regenerative life from the Spirit has always come to individuals up to this point in time as they've turned to trust in God and faith to provide what they could not provide for themselves. And it was always coming from the fountain or from the base of the provision of the sacrifice that was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. It was always coming through Jesus Christ and what he provided and what all the sacrifices in the temple were pointing to. But now it's it's. Come into view, that one who's done this for the people of Israel who've truly, by faith, looked to God. The one who's given this always has come into view and has unveiled himself, and now that faith must recognize him and confess him. Christ is the heavenly author of regeneration, new life, born-again life, without which no one can come into the kingdom. It comes to us by the Holy Spirit, but it comes to us from the Son of God and our faith in him. Nicodemus must have this happen to him. The woman at the well can have this happen to her. It was what Jesus had come to provide, so that believing those believing in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This was the essence of his messianic mission, to bring new life to all who would believe in him. Thanks for listening to the Bread of Life, a ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. I want to extend to you a welcome to join our worship every Sunday at 11 a.m. in the Old White Church at 1023 East State Street in the Warm Springs area of Boise. To learn more, go to breadoflifeboise.org and follow the links. Until the next time, may God bless you.